Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today we join you, how would we say, across the ocean. Yes. We, yes. we are together. We are across the ocean from each other. Yes. I am back in Seattle now. And where are you? I'm still in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I'm sadly not in Rome anymore. And uh, a certain amount of time has passed since the last episode that you heard last week as far as um, me crying and things like that on the radio. <laughs> that was uh, a few months ago. That was a few months ago. And so now we've had a little bit of time to adjust and I've had some time to actually get home and move into an apartment and now we are talking again. So, hi. So it could almost be as if it never happened. I know. And then sometimes it actually feels like that a little bit, which is sad. It's exactly what I was worried about. Mm. You would get home and things would have not changed very much around here for people. They just sort of had another year at work. And, and so for them, it doesn't seem like I was gone for very long and not much has changed here. But, but for you, a lot has changed. A lot has changed, yeah. But it's like anything. It just feels like you stepped back almost as if a hole in the wall appeared in Rome and I just stepped back through and ended up in Seattle and Seattle was doing exactly what Seattle was doing before except now (laughs) the rents are way more expensive in just one year in one year incredibly different it's amazing actually in fact my landlord I don't know if I ever mentioned it but I sublet my apartment when I moved to Rome so that I could have a place to move back into when I got back and my landlord has been hinting at the fact that by doing that, I froze the rent. So he's been hinting at the fact that we're way under market rent now. And so far, he hasn't actually done anything about it. And considering the fact that we're both totally unemployed, hopefully he won't do anything about it. But <laughs> he uh, is hinting at it for sure. And what can they do legally? How much can an, a landlord raise rent on the same people who've been there? Well, I don't know what legally. We're out of contract, though, because we only had a one-year lease. And so now mm. we've been here for years. And so he could at any time just come by and say, I'm raising your rent $500. By doing that, he would know probably that he was throwing us out. So it would be up to him to decide if he thinks that we're really great tenants, which he seems to think we are, then he would need to raise it just a little bit you know maybe 200 i don't know i don't know let's hope he doesn't raise it at all let's let's imagine that let's think about that yes focus on that visualize it we'll visualize everybody who's listening right now visualize him not raising the rent that would be very helpful (laughs) (laughs) visualize the rent staying the same yeah so that's been interesting and of course now we're looking for work and everybody who's ever looked for work knows what a pain that is (laughs) yes you know, resume writing and blah, looking around. Now, before we before we get into your sort of experiences that you're going through right now, let's step back a little bit and talk about what you were going through when you first stepped foot back in the United States after living in Rome for almost a year. Yeah. Like, I want to hear shock. about, yeah, some of the culture shock, some of the things that surprised you, that bothered you, that you were happy about. You told me a few of these things, but I think that you should share it with our listeners. Okay. We did not come directly home. We thought that that would be too much of 
culture shock to just walk back into Seattle. So instead, we did a road trip from Atlanta, Georgia, all the way up to Maine, and then all the way across the top of the country to Washington and to Seattle, which took something like seven weeks. It was a long so did trip. You not, did you not go to Kansas City as you were originally planning? We didn't, know. Basically, what we were going to do was we were going to go to Minnesota, then we were going to cut all the way down to Kansas City, and then all the way back up to Montana. <laughs> and by the time we got to that point, we were definitely feeling tired and ready to be home. And it wasn't even that we were ready to be home, actually. I think that we were all for having adventures still, but we were staying with people all the way across the country. And so every single night we were with different people. And I think what it came down to was we were more excited to have time to ourselves mm -hmm. than anything. We were just getting tired of hobnobbing every single night. Even though it was fun, we were getting to the point where all we wanted to do was maybe watch a night of television or, you know, lay around in my pajama bottoms and not talk to anybody. And we hadn't done that in so long. So that's part of the reason we decided to just truck home at that point. So sorry, everybody, we cut out <laughs> that was expecting us <laughs> to come. <laughs> anyway, but because we did that, we had kind of an interesting view of the United States because we were in the south and then we were all the way up in the north and then we were in the midwest and so we we did the entire united states we flew home on an american airline and the very first thing i remembered as far as this is strange is that everything was sponsored our visa signature card holders please feel free to board now what your visa signature card holders feel free to board now it just seemed odd and i don't know if that's because i couldn't understand Italian maybe you could tell me but it seemed <laughs> like I hadn't really been advertised to like that in a year passive advertising it's just me becoming a product I'm a visa signature card holder you know right is that something that happens in Italy that I wasn't picking up on no, I don't think it happens nearly as much it probably happens a bit but not like in the states the states is experts on marketing and advertising i think I, is that even expert i don't know it just seems like everything is branded now it reminds me of a, a number of years ago when i this was not on this flight home but i lowered my tray table on a flight and it was a pepto bismol ad like the entire tray and <laughs> the guy the guy next to me looked over and was like you gotta be kidding me seriously we get to look at it the whole flight Man, I wish I had some Pepto-Bismol right now. Well, not only that, but while you're eating. Yeah. yeah. Was it on the inside <laughs> of the tray or the outside? Like when it was up, did you see it or just when it was down? Just when it was down. Oh, well, I guess it's better. At least you could close it if you didn't want to look at it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> on a totally another note, one of the first things I realized upon getting to the airport, actually arriving in the United States, was that you can immediately tell that we live in a litigious society on the escalator, it said, and this is a person talking, hold the rail and face forward. And then when I got onto the moving walkway in the airport, it said, this walkway is coming to an end. Please face forward and watch your step. And then on the planes, our carts are about to come through. Can you make sure that your arms are inside your seat? Yeah, these warnings to try to keep people from inadvertently getting hurt and then using that as an excuse to sue or just they're protecting themselves it's a type of what do you call it liability like a disclaimer that they're saying we said to put your arms in so if your arm got whacked it's not our fault that's right 
we told you to face forward if you fell off the escalator at the end. That's not my problem. Right. It's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, you can understand why they do it. I can. Because so many people sue. Um, but no, in, in Italy, that definitely doesn't, that doesn't exist at all. The, it's almost like everything you do, you do at your own risk. Knowing that if you decided to sue someone in Italy, it would take 10 years and you would go bankrupt doing it. So nobody does it. People know that they're going to do it at their own risk because the court system's so screwed up or because they're taking responsibility for their own... Because No, because the court system is so screwed up. So you're sure. saying that the United States court system is too efficient? I don't think either system is right. I think they're both flawed. And... I think that it, Italians don't have this, I'm going to sue mentality. Although people do sue, it does happen for sure. But there isn't that automatic thought, like that instant, almost like a knee-jerk reaction. Well, I'm going to sue them. You know, that's just what an American, and including myself, I think that's, I've never sued anyone in my life. And I hope to God I never will have to. But every so often when something happens, I think, I'm going to sue them. It's a natural reaction that we have. It's part of our culture. And it's just not part of the Italian culture. So they don't think of it automatically. Some people do, obviously, because some people actually need to sue because they're in certain situations when that's appropriate. But generally people don't unless it's really, really necessary if they've been massively wronged. Because it's just, it takes years and years and years. So what would they do instead? Nothing. Deal with it. I mean, if someone gets hit by a car and the other person was driving and then that'll generally go to court and generally be resolved. It will take a few years, but it will eventually be resolved. I'm talking about things like I went to a restaurant and I told them I was celiac and they gave me something with gluten and I had a, I got a skin rash, let's say. This is not me. This is just a made-up situation. And then I go and sue them because I got a skin rash. I mean, those are the kind of things that don't happen here. I got burned by coffee. Well, I didn't know it was hot, so I'm going to sue. No. Or, I got fat because I eat McDonald's every day, so I'm going to sue them. That doesn't happen. At least that I know of. You know, you never know. There might be some random little tiny case. But, in general, that doesn't happen. Have you ever been sued? Nope. Thankfully, nope. You? Yes, but I it went through a um, the car insurance, so they handled it. I was begging them to take us to court because I thought that I could win. Mm. Really? <laughs> yeah. I was sure I could win. Maybe that was the arrogance of youth. And they knew better. <laughs> Perhaps. I knew that the woman was lying. Really? My testimony as a uh, frightened teenager after the accident was a little bit in her favor. Hmm. <laughs> Even though I had been there, so I knew that what she was saying was not the truth. It was your word against hers. Right. I was the 18-year-old and she was the adult. Mm -hmm. So I think that they settled. But she sued me for $100,000. Can you believe that? Oh my that? gosh. Yeah. And how much did she get? I don't remember. She did get quite a bit, though. And But you didn't have to pay any of it? Uh, just in the heightening of my insurance, you know. Oh. What did you do? Or what did she say you did? She, she just said that she had a, um, a serious foot injury as the result of the accident, which was an accident where I was on the side street. And so it was deemed my fault at the time. She was on the main road. But she was driving really, really fast and not really on the road. She was sort of in, like, the gutter side. So she took my front end off going past. Oh yeah. <laughs> and she was walking around at the scene of the accident before the cops got there. Sounds like it was there. her fault. I know. 
<laughs> but anyway. But moving on. Moving, moving on. on. Uh, what other things shocked you about the United States? Because it's you know I think that when you haven't spent a long amount of time out of your own country, it's hard to imagine that something that you're so used to would seem strange. Mm-hmm. Lines. Americans are so used to standing in really long lines and being patient. And there are two things about that that are surprising. One, in my time of Italy, I can count on maybe one hand when I was in a line of any kind. It's usually more of a mass. <laughs> Even at the supermarket, no. Well, at the supermarket, yes, because there's how else can you funnel through, you know? But yeah. they're not like huge, long, epic lines. No. Like you would find at the airport or things like that in the United States or for Disneyland or something like that. It just seems like they sort of mass a counter in Italy than they would stand in a line. We're all going to queue up. They're going to all just sort of stand at the deli case and try to get the attention. And be fair. And be fair about it. Without, you know, dissing Italians, which you know I do all the time. Almost as much as I diss Americans, sorry. <laughs> I said at the beginning, I'm judgmental and I'm always judging <laughs> on one or the other. Americans, I believe, have a sense of fairness. This person was here before me, so therefore they should go before me. It pays off though, because you know that the person behind you is gonna wait for you too. So it's easy to do that. It's easy to be fair when you know that other people are gonna be fair to you. And here in Italy, it's the opposite. People automatically assume that they're going to be screwed over in some way, even if it's just being cut in front of in line. And it makes them feel like, well, then I have to cut in front of whoever I can cut in front of because I'm going to get screwed over somehow. So just to make it even, I have to screw someone else over. This is a very Italian mentality, and I hate to say it. It's, it's a fact of life here. And not everybody thinks like that. Just like there's the jerk in America who's going to cut in front of line anyway, there's probably someone in Italy who's going to let everyone go in front of them. But I'm talking in general, broad terms here. It's so unlikely for people to wait in line because they just think, well, if I stand back, I'm going to turn into a doormat and I'm never going to get to the front. Which is true. You, they won't get to the front. Right. Right. And I guess you just get very used to that being the case. It's really, it's a hard thing because especially if you're trying, like if you, if you really want to do the right thing. But the place that, you know, the situation you're in, the place you live or whatever, stops you from doing it. I mean, I guess if you're strong enough, you could do it anyway. It's difficult because you have to, you know, you have stuff to do, you have places to go. And I mean, here's a great example. You know the concept of blocking the box? In the States, I feel like people know that you're not supposed to block the box. And here in Italy, you have to. If you don't, you won't get anywhere. And then I was in a situation where I was in a car and I was with my husband and we were stopped at a stop sign, a stoplight, like a four-way stop. And all of the people going perpendicular to us were backed up and they were all in the middle of the intersection. It was a big street. It was a big intersection. All of these cars, not just like, you know, one or two who were sort of hangers on, like completely full. And so our street we couldn't move at all but of course they tried and they were pushing and pushing but the other one was completely blocked total chaos and it, this happens all the time it's not a rare thing here and I said to my husband who's actually a very you know correct driver I said if people didn't do that if everyone just waited when they got to the stop to the crosswalk whether or not the light was green 
they waited until they physically could go, this wouldn't happen. And he said, yeah, but if you drive like that here, you don't get anywhere. Not only do you not get anywhere, but everyone behind you would be screaming at you and, and cursing you and doing the most horrible things because you were holding them up. So it's very hard to fight against that. I can say that being back, I have noticed that people who, who live in the United States really follow instructions well. Mm -hmm. Except if you tell them not to be on their cell phones. Right. They can't do that. <laughs> but they really do follow the rules. So if I get up and I say, okay, everybody needs to stand in an orderly line and fill out these forms while you're in the line and please don't be on your cell phone. They're going to be in the orderly line. They'll be there for hours if they have to be. And of course, the one thing that will fall by the wayside is that they have to look at their phones. They just can't help it. But that's probably worldwide at this point. I think so. I think so. <laughs> Anyone with a cell phone. But I mean, yeah, the traffic, they're definitely going to follow the rules. I miss that. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I miss that. Even though then I'd have to start following the rules too. But I, uh, that's a decent price to pay. I, I would be fine. But it is true. That. I do miss being able to cut lines and things. <laughs> do you really? <laughs> well, yeah. You know how like when, you know how when you're at that Pantheon and everybody's walking really slowly and taking photos and you just kind of cut around the side? Yes, that's true. That's a good example of a line that you should and you could and should cut. Exactly. And here, cutting is just so inappropriate in every circumstance. You can still do it, but everybody can, is going to think you're a total jerk. <laughs> and they're going to shame you. Yeah. Oh, you want another one? Here's another yeah. one. When we did a lot of road tripping in Italy, and you know how when you're driving on the freeway in Italy, there just really isn't, if any, advertising on the side of the road, I don't think. There's not much. Not much. I mean, there's that one rest stop that you can pull off the auto grill or whatever, and mm -hmm. you can pull off there and get your food, but when you're on the freeway the amount of fast food options is absolutely absurd in this country wendy's mcdonald's burger king ihop red lobster even walmart the walmart deli is coming up on your right or whatever i mean it's it's absolutely ridiculous i could eat the exact same meal every single day the entire drive across the country and i knew that that was the case but when you come back after not being around that for so long it's just it's disgusting really and it's not that I don't believe in fast food eating options. <laughs> you know, I'm all for convenience. I mean, no wonder people eat terribly. It's, it's everywhere. And sometimes it's the only option. Like, we tried to do diners along the way. And there just aren't any? There are some, but they're hard to find. That's so sad. That's so sad because you have to think about all of those diners that did used to exist, that went out of business because of all of the fast food. And that's sad for them. And it's sad for us because it's a part of, of American culture that's almost gone. And it's sad for the country, just like what, what it looks like. Yeah. It's not right that wherever you are in the entire country looks uniform. Small towns are the exception, of course. But if you're along the freeway or even if you're entering a town, I'm going to encounter all these same stores, horrible looking things at the edge of every single town. And that's depressing. And that's this country. <laughs> you know, there's no turning back, really. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's depressing to me, too. It's, it's a huge eyesore. And it's a shame. There's no character. 
There's no character to anything. We get so used to it being the fact of the matter, but the truth of it is, is who wants to live around a bunch of ugly stuff? I mean, even if we think it doesn't stress us out, it must stress us out to a certain degree. Or at least be soul-crushing to a certain degree, wouldn't you think? Oh, yeah. So, you should see the building that's across the street from my apartment, by the way. Speaking of hideous, good grief. Looks like it's rotting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> anyway, so that's my tirade on that, everyone. Um, <laughs> one other really great one. Yeah. Everything's 99 cents. Five ninety nine. Oh, yes. $12.99. I don't understand the point of that. I mean, I guess they say psychologically, if you see five ninety nine, you, your head thinks five and not six. But I mean, come on. Does it really? Well, what kind of trickery is that? You know, <laughs> I think it, I think it is true. I think you do see five instead of six. And then it's not even six. It's like six fifty because you have to pay the taxes on top of it. At least in Italy, where the taxes are higher, they're much higher. Sales tax here is 22 percent, which is ridiculous. But let's not get into it. At least when you go to a store, it's in it's already included in the price. So if you see something and it says 10 euros, you get out 10 euros and you pay 10 euros. Right. And why, why is that so wrong? Why would it have to be nine ninety nine here? I don't know. But everything is. You cannot go to a single store that I have found in this entire city that doesn't do that. I know. Actually, I was um, talking to someone who's developing an app. And he said that on Apple, using iTunes, you have to set the price of your app that you're selling. And you can only pick $0.99, cents, $1.99, $2.99, You can't pick a round number. It is not possible that's weird isn't it to me what's worse than the 99 cent thing is that the taxes are not written and you find out after you know i hate that surprise you're like oh my gosh this is okay this is 20 and this is 20 and this is 20 okay it's going to be 60 bucks and you get it to the cash register and it's 72 or something and it's just like ah ouch yeah i know well and the and the taxes are always changing so mm -hmm. it would be hard to calculate in your head to actually know you just sort of estimate it's about 10 percent mm -hmm. unless you're talking about alcohol in the state of washington which is taxed ridiculously high right now we privatized it and now it's ridiculous I, but it varies based on what you're buying so it's a different tax rate on wine it's a different tax rate on booze who knows and of course very rarely do they actually include the taxes in the price so you'll say oh well that's only ten dollars you'll get up to the counter and it will be 21 21 on 10 so it's over a hundred percent tax it's not possible <laughs> well that might be a bad example <laughs> but it's something like that <laughs> it's really 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 high crazy so we should we should wrap it up but i do want to comment since you mentioned it on a couple shows that yes the water glasses are huge here mm. and especially in the south by the way in my drive across the country the south was where we got the largest glasses Soda is a serious thing in the South. It is a massive, it's like half of a pitcher size. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like how many ounces would that be? So many, more than 24. The one thing that they don't do massively is wine. Oh. You know? <laughs> so if you order a glass of wine, they're going to fill it up, you know, just right when the bubble of the glass starts going out, they're going to fill it right up to that line. While as in Italy, they'll fill it all the way to the rim of the no, glass. No, they will not. Not they all did the in the many rim. places. They did in many places. No, they'll fill it up like three, like 
three quarters or two thirds, not to the rim. <laughs> well, not so I can't, I have to walk delicately with my glass, <laughs> otherwise it's spilling. <laughs> well, about um, that. I can't but yes, saying. we do a very delicate wine pour here. Very delicate. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting that some countries will just be so generous with one thing like in the states they're so generous with soda especially if it's like on tap you know they'll give you free refills two three four glasses of coke if you want it but yet the wine there's hardly any whereas in, the, in italy wine is sometimes less expensive than water mineral water it can be more expensive than the house wine it has happened in Italy, wine, obviously there are expensive wines out there, but wine is not expensive in Italy. And if you go into any wine bar and you order wine by the glass, and I'm talking about a decent glass of wine. I'm not talking about cheap wine. I'm not talking about ridiculously expensive wine, but a good quality glass of wine is going to be between four and five euros. And that's for the center of town. That's not for the cheap place in the outskirts. That's like for something in a really good neighborhood, a cute place, it's going to be four or five euros for a really decent glass of wine that I think would be maybe like more like 10 in the States. $10, not 10 euros, obviously, maybe like eight euros or something. Whereas... In Italy, you're really stingy with the beer. Mm, well, yes, the beers come in this tiny little glass. Piccola, the beer of piccola. It's tiny. It's like the size of a milk glass. But yeah, it's probably the same amount, same price as a glass of wine, I would say. No? Um, maybe, but it's going to be a lot smaller. It's practically like a shot glass of beer. <laughs> no, it's not that <laughs> I know, small. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're, 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 uh, you're, your proportions are all off since you've been out of Italy. I know. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. I'm, I'm... <laughs> so last thing I, I want to say, add before we, before we get off, I've been um, sending pictures to, to Katie through my Apple stream, my photo stream thing, to try to tempt her back to Rome. <laughs> Have they been working? Well, of course. I, I mean... If I could figure out a way to make a living there, I'd move back. I would. I don't know if Derek would want to come, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I would like to move back. Um, and, and I keep asking myself that question, is that because I actually want to go back? Or is that because being here and um, looking for work here and trying to get stuff going is, you know, one step forward, two steps back. So it's frustrating right now. So it's a big adjustment period. But I also feel like it wasn't enough time. You know, I, w mm. I, left, I left before I should have. That's what it feels like to me. I was on the path of learning so much and actually gaining new skills. And it just, it just ended. It ended too soon. That's what it feels yeah. like. I think so. I, I can totally imagine that because when I lived, when I moved to Rome... It took me a good nine months to finally feel like I was okay there. I mean, obviously I wanted to be there, but it took me nine months to really completely get used to it. I'm at home now. This is my home now. And if I had had to leave just as I was starting to get to that place, that would have been terribly difficult. So I totally get you. I get you. You should have been two years. I think two years is a really great amount of time to be a temporary expat. Because it gives you time to really get completely comfortable and at home in your city and then have some time to enjoy it. Yeah. And, you know, then usually after two years, 
most people are ready to go back unless they're like the long haul people like me. <laughs> I know. I, I feel that way. I had one couple in Rome that was really good friends of ours. Yes, we, we interviewed um, the wife of this couple. Yes, Cassie back in the home birth episodes. They came back for another year. So they're there right now. And so every time we see pictures of their baby and stuff, we're like, we're missing it. We're not there. We're, we're totally missing out. We actually visited them during our car trip because they hadn't yet gone back. They were home with their family for a few months before they restarted their next year over there. And so we saw them in the States. And when we saw them, they all were not looking forward to going back. They were really happy to be home and they were seeing all their friends and the kids were happy and seeing all their friends. And so they were kind of dreading it. But since they've gotten back, they found that there was no need to dread it. They're actually really happy to be back. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. Yeah. Really happy to be back and feeling like this year feels different. It's not as hard as last year was. And they know more people now and they have a community. And and that just makes me feel so sad. <laughs> because mm. not that I don't want them to uh, have a good experience. Because I do. And I'm glad they're having fun. But it's exactly that. We're missing it. That's what it feels like. We should still be there for a little bit longer. But I've always been a person who didn't let stuff go very well. <laughs> so. Oh, I'm exactly the same. I have a hard time leaving things even if I was miserable right. doing them or living in that place. Right. I, I totally get you. Well. Anyway, so on that happy note. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to, you know, get some, do some research and see if I can find you guys some jobs. Yeah. I'll keep working on my Italian. Unfortunately, because I'm unemployed, I can't get a real teacher here so i'm just doing my duolingo which i don't think is helping you me need very. to do more than duolingo you need to do some podcasts i've been telling you that i know for a while there's some good <laughs> podcasts out there not just this one there's some good language podcasts out there so you need to get on that so you're listening to it the app is not enough yeah you're right okay <laughs> well it was fun to see you on skype you too I talk to you. you too and i wish it was in person but I'll have to wait. Yes, and hopefully this sound quality hasn't been too bad. So Let's hope not. feel free to send us some feedback at bittersweetlife at mail.com. And we're basically experimenting with whether or not we should keep this show going. So you can let yeah. us know what you think. Please bittersweetlife do. at mail.com. And it really, if you want to keep this show going, it wouldn't hurt if you donated so that we can pay our bills and not go broke, particularly while I'm looking for work. And by bills, she means the actual podcast bills, not our, like, you know, credit card bills. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not the lights. <laughs> not the lights and that kind of thing, but no, the podcast and support all the work that it takes to actually make it. I think I, I did the math and I make something like $3 an hour <laughs> with all the editing and production that happens in this wow. show. So. Think about doing that, but go to uh, thebittersweetlife.net if you want to donate. And really, we just want to know if you want us to keep it going. That's the most important thing. So let us know. Anyway, that's enough pitching. I am Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. This is The Bittersweet Life, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>